Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It's the Christmas story, and uh, I know we read it uh, all the time, but don't just let it pass over. Let's, let's make sure that every time we approach God's word and read it, that it's fresh, okay? Uh, Holy Spirit, quicken this to us, we pray. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, it says this. Let's read together. Ready? Read. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Let me stop and explain. But betrothed is like engaged, okay? She was engaged, but before they came together, they didn't have intimacy together, okay? But she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. So Joseph's like, uh, we're engaged, but we didn't hook up, and you have a child. Uh, what's this all about? Okay, verse 19. Here we go. Then Joseph, let's read it. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Like, what are people going to say? Verse 20. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, now stop. Would you be thinking about those things if you're engaged to somebody and they're pregnant? And you're like, who, who impregnated you? He's thinking about these things. He's like, what's, what's up with Mary? I know she's a chaste virgin. I know she's, that's why I'm dating her. She's a good girl. What's going on? He's thinking about these things. And while he's thinking about these things, all of a sudden, uh, an angelic being, an angel shows up in the room and he's like, whoa, trying to help him out with it, okay? And here's what it was. He says, uh, and an angel says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. He's saying what she told you is the truth. It really is the Holy Spirit that, uh, that you know, the, why this child is coming to being. Verse 21. And she will bring forth, read it with me. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22. So all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, this was in the book of Isaiah, we read it last week, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So last week, uh, on the first week we talked about Jesus, last week we talked about, it was a message called God with us, but God with us always, and there was three key verses. One verse was out of Isaiah seven fourteen, which it quotes from, and he says his name will be Emmanuel. Can you say the word Emmanuel? It, it's, a, it's a biblical name, and the word actually means God with us. So you're going to call your child God with us, right? It would be like, um, say, what, what's the name of your son? Oh, my secondborn's name, God. And my, you think, God? What? Are you, seri- are you serious? No, seriously, what's his name? His name's God, yeah. But that's what they named him, God with us. And that was the sign that he was going to be born of a virgin. It sounds way out there. And Isaiah 9, 6 says this two chapters after. It says, unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. What's interesting about that, it didn't say unto the earth. God with us, not God with on earth. He didn't say Emmanuel means God on earth. No, it means God with people. 
And then uh, chapter 9 says God with us, not God with earth, but God with people. Why? Because the reason Jesus came is not just to come to earth. Jesus came to come to us. He came to be with us and to be in us. And the interesting thing is the very last thing Jesus said in the book of Matthew before he left, the very last thing he said was he said, and lo, I love the word, and lo, it means just behold, like, like look, hey, hey, look, I'm with you always. I'm with who? I'm with you. I, he didn't say I'm on earth always. He said, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. What does that mean? When he says God with us, it didn't mean, that's right, Jesus visited us 2,000 years ago, and that's what we're singing about is the birth of the baby child. Oh, baby Jesus, we. No, no, no. We're, we're, we're singing about Jesus being born in us, that every single day we can have a relationship with Jesus Christ in our lives. God with us. He came to us not to leave us, but to always be with us. Very last thing he said here in the book of Matthew. Lo, I'm with you always. God with us. Even to the end of the age. He wasn't born to leave. He was born to be with us always. So when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we celebrate God in us. Christ in you. The hope of glory. That's, what, that's why it's so exciting. Verse 21 is where I want to draw your attention to today though. Verse 21 says this, and you shall call his name Jesus, say it with me, you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Just leave that up for a minute. You shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. See, the, the name for he will save his people from their sins, if we just don't know what Jesus means, then we kind of don't know why it says for he will right? It would be like saying, you, you'll call his name um, trucker for he shall, right, drive trucks across the, the country, right? No, but you'll call his name Jesus for he shall save. It, it, the description of the saving is in the name of Jesus. So he says, you'll call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sin. I want you to know when Jesus was born, he was named with purpose, the name of Jesus is not just another name that was chosen. It was named with purpose. Jesus was born with purpose. Notice the angel didn't tell Mary, you're going to be born and it's going to be conceived of the Holy Spirit. And you can, what do you think you want to name him? You want to name him Joseph? Do you want to name him Baby John? Do you want to name him? What do you want to name him? No, they said, and you shall name his name. They told him what he's going to name his name. You shall name his name this because his function is this. You're going to call him the name, you're going to call him by the name of, what is it? Jesus, for he's going to save his people from their sins. So he was born with purpose. This wasn't, Jesus wasn't the plan of Mary or the plan of Joseph. It was the plan of God coming into being. Uh, now the word save, you shall call his name Jesus for he shall save. This word save is actually the Greek word sozo. I, I, I kind of like that word. I, I think in New York there's a, a, a town or area I remember visiting. It was called Soho, right? Soho, not sozo. But can you say the word sozo? Yeah, kind of a fun name to say. But sozo doesn't just mean save, like, oh, man, I'm, I got saved. I'm glad I'm not going to hell. Oh, things are going well. No, save means to save, to deliver, to protect to heal, to preserve, to make whole, or to restore. Now, I, I think of this, I remember growing up with a dad who was a pack rat. You have, you have anybody who's, huh? 
don't nudge someone, okay, next to you. But there's, there's usually someone in the house that likes to save things, and there's usually someone in the house that likes to free themselves of things, right? They're like, if we don't need it, if we haven't used it in the last month or three months, let's get rid of it, right? And they're the pack rat. My dad would save things from, like, he would never throw, he wouldn't throw things away. And I would say, Dad, I'm gonna throw that. What are you throwing that away for? What are you throwing? And I don't know if it was because of his childhood. I'm not a psychologist. I don't know, but I imagine it probably was. But I remember trying to throw things away when he wasn't there, you know, because he'd, he'd save up things. Dad, what is this tool? Well, I think that's for, um, and you know, i never even seen the tool. The tool looks like it was from the History Channel, right? And he says, oh, I'm going to use that tool. What are you going to use that tool for? I don't know, but I'll think of something. And then we'd get to a place, and he'd say, remember that tool you said to throw away? Yeah, that's, that's what that tool's for, and we're going to use it, he'd say. And I'd say, well, where is it? I don't know. And it'd take about two hours, and he couldn't find the tool, so what would he end up doing? Go down to Home Depot or Lowe's or somewhere, and he'd end up buying it again, right? Because he couldn't find it. He was saving the tool. He was preserving the tool because he saw value in everything or whatever it is. When the Bible says, call his name Jesus because he doesn't throw things away. He doesn't throw people away. He doesn't trash things like, well, if they haven't been used in the last three months, let's get rid of them. Let's find someone new. No, he lo- aren't you glad about that? Come on, somebody. Because I know I've turned away from the Lord for more than three months at a time, right? And he comes and he takes you and he holds on to you and he says, at some point, I'm going to need that tool. At some point, I'm going to need that person. And at some point, really, they're going to need me. So I'm going to hold on to them. I'm going to preserve them. And, and really, this word sozo is to make whole or to restore, okay? So... Um, Jesus saves people. Can we say that together? Jesus saves people. That's what sozo is. Now the word uh, Jesus is really a Hebrew name and, and the word is really Joshua. You know, it, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Joshua was Mo- Moses's, you know, the guy after Moses, right? Really the word Jesus is a Hebrew name and it comes from the word Joshua. It was just translated Joshua. So Joshua in the Old Testament is Jesus in the New Testament. Okay, so really the word Jesus literally is Joshua and it means Jehovah is salvation. What does it mean? That's why we say Savior. Jehovah is salvation or God is salvation. Now, what did Joshua do? And this is what I want to talk with you about. What did Joshua do? Because Joshua was a type of Jesus in the Old Testament. Joshua did three things. He, you know, he brought people to salvation. We know that. And Joshua was a type and example of Jesus. But we see three primary things that Joshua did. Number one, that he led Israel to victory over their enemies. That remember, they were in the desert for all these years and then Moses died and they're like, oh my goodness. We've been walking around for 40 years and now the guy who's leading us died like he should know where to go more than anyone and here's Joshua Joshua led Israel to victory over their enemies number two what he did was he interceded for the nation when they sinned and were defeated the people had turned around they turned away from their own sins they turned away from you know they turned away from God and Joshua stood in and interceded what does it mean he stood in the gap for people right and he became a the person uh, who who was the strong person uh, you know on site And then number three, what Joshua did was he led people into the promised land, uh, place of rest. He led them from all their junk into the place of rest. Now, uh, Jesus is named, uh, you know, 
the name's Joshua, same, same name. We see Jesus as our salvation, and there's three things, and I want you to write these down if you have a, a, a pen and a paper, and if you feel like writing, and you can write. But I want you to write this. Three things that Jesus does in your life, and I want it, they're really similar to what Joshua did. Number one is that Jesus fights for you. Jesus fights for you. See, what, I, what I'm going to, uh, what I'm going over these things is that sometimes we looked at, uh, at, at someone like Jesus, and because we've been raised around religion, we look at Jesus and we think that Jesus fights against you. But I want to tell you, one of the names of Jesus, he said, you, you got to call his name Savior, because I want you to know that when you say the name of Jesus, which has no meaning to a lot of people, I want you to know that he fights for you. Listen, Jesus fights for you. He defeated the enemy and he provided victory for us. And I'm going to read to you four scriptures on this and I'll just read through them. Listen, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. You can just write down the reference. Hebrews 2, 14 says this. Because God's children are human beings made of the flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he, and can you read this with me in yellow? Break the power of the devil who had the power of death. See, if we're left on our own without Jesus, then it's up to you to break the power of the devil. But listen, Jesus broke the power of the devil who had the power of death. And he did that for us. Jesus fought for us. He fights for us. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. It says this. Colossians 2, 15. It says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them on the cross. Look at this in yellow. Having disarmed the powers and authorities. Can I tell you, the devil who's fighting against you, he's not armed anymore. He's disarmed. He doesn't have weapons. He, 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 his weapon is deceit. His weapon is to make you think that you're defeated. The Bible says that he disarmed the powers and authorities. He's already taken all of the authority. All of the authority you need is in the name of Jesus, right? So he disarmed all the authorities, and his name is above every name in heaven and on earth and things under the earth. And he triumphed, triumphant over them, triumphed over them on the cross. So that's one thing he does is he fights for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 57, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. I want us to read this out loud together. It's a nice short verse. I like to say, I say this one several times a week, maybe every day of my life. Let's say it together. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Say it again. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It means you don't have to fight. Jesus fights for you. Jesus fights for you. Right? You know, um, I remember being in grade school. I have two, two older brothers, one's six years older and one's eight years older uh, than me. And, and I, uh, so I was alone a lot as a kid because they, they kind of moved on in life. But I remember uh, being around, uh, when, I was around, when I was on my own and I was around people. And I, I, when I, went, to, I went to high school in a little bit rough uh, area. Um, there was some hoodlums, you know, like it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a nice area. And I loved it. I was glad I was there. But, um, but, but I remember walking down some dark streets and walking down some dark alleys and, and thinking, oh, man, uh, I hope I didn't walk quick and those kind of things. But can I tell you, when I was with my brothers, I didn't worry about it. 
Why? Because I know that if someone jumped out, they'd take care of them, right? They'd take care of them because they were with me. They would fight with me. And I'll tell you what I'd learn to do is I'd learn to pray. I'd pray in the spirit. I'd, I'd, I'd open up my heart and I'd say, God, would you fight for me? Jesus, would you fight for me? Jesus, would you be on my side? And I remember just developing a strength in the Lord in my life. And I still, there's times in my life where I feel defenseless. There's times in my life where I'm in a battle and I know I can't just grab hands and say, could you pray for me? I'm just going through some stuff. No, I have to call out to my defender. I have to call out to my help, my strength, and I have to say, Jesus, sometimes I'm all alone, and I just say, Jesus, I don't know who else to say right now, but would you fight for me? I need you to fight for me right now, and I'll call out on his name, and whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, right? Because Jesus fights for you, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory, and then Romans chapter 8, verse 37, the last verse on this, it says, yet in all these things, let's say it together, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors, not on our own. You're not the man, you're not the woman without Jesus. Through him who loved us, Jesus fights for you. Number two, Jesus speaks up for you. Jesus speaks up for you. You know, it's one of the questions that I get in ministry very often that people say, what do I do? This is a tough question. What do I do when people are talking bad about me? And I want to stand up and knock them in the head. Or I want to stand up and tell them the truth. And put them in their place. I want to do it. But I want to call out to God. But he doesn't seem to be doing anything. What do I do, Pastor? People will ask me that question. And, and this is what I want to show you right here. Jesus speaks up for you. Can I tell you, Jesus will speak up for you when you don't know what to say or when you don't know how to speak up for yourself. The Bible says in uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 34, it says, he, who is he who condemns? You know what he's saying there? He's asking the question because he's saying, God's not putting you down. God's not condemning you. He's not on the condemning side. He's not trying to push you down. If you'll repent of your sins, if you'll turn to Jesus, he's with you. He's on your side. It says, he, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God. Listen what he's doing. Who also makes intercession for us. What does it mean? He's standing up on your behalf. He's calling out your name. He's making intercession for you. I don't like to just have one verse in the Bible to say that about. The Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. So I like to at least have two or three places where it says that. And here's another one in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. It says, therefore, he also is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since, read this with me in yellow, he always lives to make intercession for them. What is intercession? It's standing in the gap. Jesus stands in the gap for you when you're weak. Jesus stands in the gap for you when you're in trouble. Jesus stands in the gap for you when you're going through something. That's why sometimes, you know, yesterday, I woke up in the morning yesterday and I had someone on my heart from the church, just someone, and I didn't know why, but I just knew that I had to stop and pray for them. And I couldn't get them off my heart for two or three hours. And I just, every time I thought about them, I just stopped and say, Lord, I don't know what's going on with them, but I pray for them right now. I pray that you'd be strong toward them. Back off their enemies. Help them. Bring them through whatever they're going through. And I ended up texting them and just saying, uh, hey, I just want you to know, I don't know what you're going through, but um, here's a scripture. And I gave them a scripture and just told them, I'm standing with you right now. And they said, oh, 
Pastor David, thank you so much for being strong with us. I, I needed that right now. I'm going through, you know, something or whatever. But can I tell you, the reason I sensed that wasn't just because, you know, eh, let me flip through and find, find somebody. No, it was because they were on Jesus' heart. And when I was talking to Jesus, they became on my heart. And I was interceding for them. And Jesus was interceding for them, right? He stood up for them. Can I tell you, when you don't think anyone's standing up for you or calling out the name of Jesus for you, the reason you're here today is not because just because of you. It's because someone, some grandmama, some, some uh, grandpa, some auntie, some uncle got on their knees and stood up. I remember when I was turning away from the Lord and I didn't want to serve the Lord. I remember those days. And I remember hearing my mom and my dad call out to the Lord and say, the enemy's not going to have David. <laughs> He's going to serve the Lord. <laughs> And I would want to answer back, no, I'm not, <laughs> at least not today, <laughs> right? But I'll tell you what, the reason you're here today is because someone's calling out for you, and Jesus speaks up for you. He's making intercession. Number three, Jesus offers you a way out. Jesus offers you a way out. So, you know, Joshua, same, same, same things. He brought him to the promised land. He brings you into divine rest, Jesus brings you into divine rest. Do you know one of the things that, that I know we, we, you know, hate for sickness to stay on people and we hate for, you know, disease and we hate for bondages and we hate for things. But do you know one of the things that I think Jesus hates that stays on us is pressure. And we may think, well, pressure equals responsibility. That's not true. That's not true. Because when Jesus talked about in, in areas, in Matthew chapter 6, he said, do not worry about your life. What you mean? He went on, you know, those things. And then he said over in Matthew, come unto me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I'll give you. Why would he speak about rest? Why would he talk about those things? Because he doesn't want to see people stressed out. He wants to bring people into their promised land. And I'm not talking about a land of, of sitting on the couch and flipping on your big screen TV and watching the 450 channels and, you know, uh, 32 series of Netflix, you know, for the whole season. And that's your rest in God. You know, not, not that there's anything wrong with watching TV, but what I am saying is it's not just so that you can sit back and have your own fancy. No, it's because he doesn't want the pressures that the enemy would want to put on you, that he would want to strap on you. He wants to take those things off. He wants to remove burdens, remove yokes from your life. He offers you a way out. He brings people into divine rest. And let me give you scriptures on that. Hebrews chapter four, verse nine and verse 11 says, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. In fact, he says right before that in the last verse of the chapter before, they could not enter into the promised land because of unbelief. They couldn't enter their rest because of unbelief, which shows this, rest is a sign of faith. If you're not in rest, you're not in faith. If you're not in rest in what Jesus has done for your life, then you're really not in faith. Rest is a sign of being in faith in the Lord. So the Bible says, uh, remember, they couldn't enter into the promised land because of unbelief. But he says, there remains therefore, Hebrews 4, 9, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. And then verse 11 says, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. I'd say the word diligent, maybe we'd use the word intentional. Do you know you have to be intentional not to have cares on your life? You have to be intentional to live carefree. Here's, let me tell you what I do to live carefree. I get it out of my mouth and I say it. 
Here's what I say. And I want someone, I want someone, uh, in fact, why don't you just say it with me today? Say, today, I cast all of my cares on the Lord because he cares for me. I give every anxiety, all worry, all pressure over to Jesus and I enter into his rest by faith in Jesus' name. Yeah, and then if you say, but I still feel it, then say it again. Say it again. See, you receive rest by faith. You walk in rest because you, you, you've cast those cares over on the Lord. The casting like a fishing pole, you know, you take it and you cast or you take nets and you cast them. You ever tried to cast something and you like cast it like you have those short arms, you know, you like cast it like this and it kind of just goes like, like you have this pressure on you and you cast it and you go zoom and it goes about right here and then it goes zoom and it comes right back. It feels like even more. No, you have to take it and you have to throw it from you. Cast it on the Lord. In fact, 1 Peter 5 says, humble yourself casting all your cares on him. It takes humility to cast your cares on the Lord. Why? Because that means that he's going to take it and it's not all about you. Right? Well, wait, what about me? With, with the responsibility, you're going to have the anxiety that comes with it. So he says here, therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine, we know the verse. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. By grace. It's that not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, because if it was even by one work that you did, you'd probably brag about it. That's what he's saying. Uh, and then Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, I quoted it to you. Come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, and I'll bring and I'll give you rest. He calls us into divine rest. We don't have to worry about our salvation, but also sozo. We don't have to worry about uh, our wholeness. We don't have to worry about our well-being in our lives. Why? Because he takes care of every area of our lives. Now let me, let me uh, close with a couple of things here. Who did Jesus come to save? You know, that bell always rings right at this time. I just love that. That's great. Lord, we pray for that church right now. We pray whatever you're doing and First Congregational Church across the street, we pray that Jesus, Lord, would be Lord and people would be reached for Jesus across the street and all down this neighborhood. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Who did Jesus come to save? Who did Jesus come to save? You know, sometimes there are certain people that, uh, in fact, I know of pastors that would want to come and they'd want to, uh, they'd want to start a church in certain neighborhoods, maybe an affluent neighborhood, because they'd, they'd know that wealthy people could come to their church and then their church would be well supported and then things would be, you know, they're like, hey, I came to be doing that. And then other people would come and say, no, I want to reach the down. And others, so they come and they'll plant their church here and then other people will come and, and have ministries, not just churches, but ministries or different helps or outreaches or things. They'll, they'll start them in different places. Or you may have stores or you may have businesses and you're saying, who's my clientele? Who's my focus? Where, who am I going after? Okay. But I want you to notice, who did Jesus, who was Jesus' focus? Who was Jesus? Well, it says in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus said about himself, for the Son of Man has come to seek, look for, right? Hide and go seek. Seek and to save that which is lost. So Jesus' focus was on who? People who were lost, not the found. He wasn't trying to find people who were already found. That's why sometimes people will come to the church even here, and they may be believers, and they might say, you know, hey, 
um, I've been a believer for many years, and I was just visiting the church, and I'm like, hey, that's great. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad. I, I just pray you find a church. I believe every person needs a church. Everybody needs to be in a church. In fact, if you come from a church, we're not trying to take you out of your church. We just believe everybody needs to be at a church. But people who don't have a church, I'll just say, hey, until you find a church, come back here. You're welcome here. Why? Because we're trying to find people who are unchurched. We're trying to find people who don't have a home or who don't have, who are lost. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Does it always work out, you know, with things? I don't know. But I just know that was Jesus' mission. It was what he came after. This is sometimes Jesus versus religion. And I want to read one, one, little, one little passage to you here. Um, in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2 tells about Jesus' ministry, and you all know it. Mark 2.15 says this, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, it's talking about the lost, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him. (laughs) Notice that. Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and, and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Notice sinners and tax collectors somehow felt comfortable around Jesus. They somehow felt comfortable around Jesus. And somehow Jesus felt comfortable around them. Well, I think, though, it was because he had a purpose. Because he was here to seek and save that which is lost. So if he wasn't around the lost, how was he ever going to fulfill the mission, right? He wasn't, he wasn't trying to find the found. He was trying to find the lost. So when he's eating with them, he's like, this is what I came for. I'm so good. How are you guys doing? Right? He's with all these lost people. Well, then you see on the other side of the room, verse 16, it says, then the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, right? They saw him eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, and they asked his disciples, why does he eat with the tax collectors and the sinners? See, they had a different purpose. They were about church. They were about religion. They were about... We are. Why is he with them? Why was he with them? See, they, he was after the lost. They were after who identifies with me? Who's like us? And Jesus says, I, you know, I came to find someone who needs Jesus, who needs hope. And uh, they truly didn't understand. I believe, you know, we make fun of them sometimes, but I truly, I think they truly didn't understand why he would eat with them. Like they're, they're. They're not understanding, like, this doesn't help your purpose. This doesn't help your ministry, Jesus. If you're trying to build a ministry, that's not the way to do it, to go with them. And, uh, but they really, they didn't know his purpose. So on verse 17, it says, and on hearing this, Jesus, they were asking someone else, and Jesus kind of overheard them. And he heard this, and he says, hey, guys, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Just about every time I read that, something in me just says, God, would you make that my heart? That when I see people who are hurting, to just say, that's what I'm here for. Someone who's hurting. Now, people are hurting rich. People are hurting poor. People are hurting white. People are hurting black. People are hurting uh, uh, in every, you know, big houses, small houses, in every single social setting. So I don't think it's just, you know, certain class of people who are hurting. Everybody's hurting. But I can tell you what Jesus would look at it. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Notice who, the only people who weren't comfortable around these people were religious people. Teachers of the law and the Pharisees. I think this is why, though, sometimes people don't think real highly of Jesus. As they come to church to get Jesus. 
and they walk away with religion. They walk away with rules. They walk away with, here's the way we do it. They walk away with, here's how we roll here. If you're about this, then you're about us. If you're not, and Jesus said, you people lay heavy burdens on people. And the point is to take the burdens off people, not to put burdens on people. People shouldn't come to church and be loaded up with burdens. They should come to church and be released of their pressure, be released of the care, feel like they've been washed, they've been cleaned, like they walk out new people in Jesus. That's the heart of Jesus. And can I tell you the reason why I'm saying this is not because it's Jesus' ministry. Jesus' ministry is that his ministry didn't stop. It's because it's our ministry too. Not my ministry, it's our ministry too. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians that he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. What is that? It's the ministry of pulling people back together with their God. People who are lost. Can I tell you, whatever job you have, I can say, what do you do? What job do you have? What job do you have? The primary thing you have is not your job. The primary reason for existence that you have as a human being is to reconcile people to Jesus. It's a primary focus. In fact, I believe Jesus is going to look one day and say, what did you do? What did you do? Not, not some guilt trip. I'm not trying to give you some guilt trip. But I am saying, here's the simple way. People aren't looking for theologians. They're looking for friends. Be friends to people. Tell your story to people. What, the, 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 big, the best thing I can do for people is to just tell people that I was in a bad place. And I know you're in a bad place. Can I pray for you? And I know the answer. It's Jesus. You may not believe me now, but can I tell you, he'll make himself real to you. Let me pray for you, right? Just be hope. Bring hope. Bring the hope of Jesus to people. He came to seek and save that which was lost. In Matthew eleven 19, I'm closing with this. Matthew eleven nineteen. 19, Jesus called himself. He said, the son of man came eating and drinking. And they say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. When they titled Jesus. His name means savior, but people called him. He's a friend of sinners. <laughs> How many would say, thank God? He's a friend of sinners. <laughs> Listen. Are you a friend of sinners? Do you even know any sinners? Are you even around any sinners? He was a friend of sinners. Jesus, his name means salvation. So these three things, put this on the screen and I want you to say these three things just that are in yellow. Come on, Jesus, our salvation. What does he do? Number one, Jesus fights for you. Number two, Jesus speaks up for you. Number three, Jesus offers you a way out. Let me pray for you this morning. Can I do it? Can you, would you just bow your heads and you may be in a place where you need him to fight for you or you need him to speak up for you or you need him to, to free you from just stuff. Let me pray for you right now. Jesus, you're in this room today. You're not history. You're present. And so I pray right now that you'd bless every person in here. Fight for us. Speak up for us. Offer us a way out, we pray. Show yourself strong. Show yourself faithful. In Jesus' name I pray. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.